Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our annual town hall meeting. We even had one last year, even though it was virtual. <clears throat> I am so thrilled. <clears throat> My voice is getting better, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I'm so thrilled because I get to work with two wonderful gentlemen who will be here for this hour. The first one is the director of the Division of Life Services for Florida, Mr. Robert Doyle. who happens to be here with us. So thank you, Mr. Doyle. And then James Woolleyhand, who is the Bureau Chief for our Talking Book Library in Daytona. So thank you, Jim, for being with us. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna let Robert have his <clears throat> short time. <laughs> And then we'll hear from Jim about what's going on with the, our wonderful Talking Book Library. And the reason I said is I get an honor to work with both of these gentlemen is I am president of FCB, so I get to work with Mr. Doyle, and I get to work with Jim Woolleyhan because I'm president of the Friends of Library. So I have the best to do worlds. Um, so anyway, I'm going to ask Robert to come forward. I hope everybody has your questions ready. I heard a question earlier, then I'm hoping somebody will ask Mr. Doyle. So without further ado, Mr. Doyle. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. It's good to be here once again. Actually, this is a good mic. I don't even have to take my, don't even have to take my mask off. <laughs> it is good to be here with you all once again. Uh, Sheila, I want to thank you for inviting me each and every time to be here. Uh, it is always a thrill to be able to come out and be with the Florida Council of the Blind, be able to come out here and be amongst you all and to give updates from the division as well as to uh, hear your questions and the things that are going on in your individual communities. And so um, I want to thank Sheila, I want to thank Jim, uh, I want to thank Paul, and I, I probably can go on and on with all the different names of all the different folks, but you really want to recognize the leadership. Uh, Mikey, uh, of the Florida Council of the Blind and, and all that you all are doing statewide. Um, really, really good effort. And I want to say congratulations because uh, I don't think we've been together since uh, uh, we got that win for the uh, voting rights. Can we give a round of applause to the group for that? <laughs> Last year. Excuse me. And I also want to, excuse me. I also want to introduce, uh, because we're in his district, uh, Ed James. Uh, who's also in the crowd, Ed, you can just do a quick hoop right where you are, so. Oh, come on, you gotta give them some, some audio signal to where you are in the room. Hello. All right. Hello. <laughs> uh, Hello, Ed James is the new district administrator uh, over in this district, and uh, we're certainly glad to have him as part of the team. Janice, I wanna thank you for coming out today as well. And we have a table uh, here at the conference this year and so I want to thank you all for, for taking your time to come out, even on the weekend, uh, to be with the Florida Council. Now, I've spent my birthday here uh, in a resolution committee uh, at 11, 12 o'clock at night. I've spent my anniversary, my wedding anniversary here, another year. And um, this year, it's the week before Mother's Day. So <laughs> we, got, we got the timing good. But um, it is my hope that every year we have a table uh, for the Division of Blind Services at the Florida Council of the Blind meeting. Because I think, again, it's a good opportunity for the local district administrator to 
to be here, to be available, or the local leadership. But also, if folks want to have questions about service, need access to service, um, it will be an opportunity to be a conduit and for that. And so it's my hope that every year, and if we don't reach out to you right away, make sure you reach out to us to say, hey, come get your table. And, and I understand that sometimes there might be a little fee associated with that. So <laughs> we recognize that. <laughs> so she said, be a member. So again, I want to thank you all. I want to give you all a few updates. And, and you know, the word short is relative. You know, I was, you know I'm about five, six. Uh, but I was talking to a lady the other day who was talking about um, uh, wanting a small house. And, you know, you hear people talking about the small houses this day, and she said she was 4'11", and so then all of a sudden I felt really tall. <laughs> but I will keep my comments uh, pretty brief. I, I, again, was going to give you all a, a really quick um, uh, a, a cap of the budget just closed out for this year. Again, the Division of Blind Services, we remain housed in the Department of Education. We remain a separate, specialized agency for the blind which is something that we're really happy and glad about this year. There were a lot of concerns as we went into the new year with the, uh, the economic challenges that uh, the state was looking at and the budget shortfalls and things like that as a result of COVID that you know, a lot of times folks start looking at ideas, okay, how can we save money? And unfortunately, in a lot of places, sometimes that does come at the expense of individuals with disabilities. Uh, and then sometimes it comes at the expense of specialization uh, for services for people who are blind. And so uh, we're really pleased that uh, through this legislative session, uh, not only are, do we remain as a separate in, uh, a specialized agency for the blind, but our budget came out this year uh, pretty much, actually it was a little bit, a few pennies increased from over last year. And so we're also very pleased for that as well. And so we want to thank the governor. Uh, he hadn't signed the budget yet. Uh, the legislature, legislature uh, just legislative session just ended on yesterday. But uh, we want to thank him because his recommended budget uh, kept us intact. And what's gone through the legislature uh, has kept us intact. There's been a moving around of a few dollars, just a few dollars. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, there was we got for the first time in a long time an extra three hundred thousand dollars for the older blind program. Uh, well, 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 well. Now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so we got that last year, but then they redirected those dollars to the children's program this year. But I want to say this, and I think I've said this before. We have a young lady in our state office a, a few years ago. Uh, the division, uh, we kind of restructured some positions. We came, became aware of a software program that allows us to capture dollars back from the Social Security Administration. When we help a person get a job and they come off of Social Security, for years, we've had the ability to get dollars back from the feds uh, to, to help our programs. For some years, we only got a couple thousand dollars, maybe $10,000. Uh, a few times, we got maybe $400,000. But we are hitting $2 million a year uh, in Social Security reimbursements now that we've revamped this process. And that helps us to offset those other budget shortfalls and helps to support the work that we're doing. Uh, with our programs, the older blind program and things across the board. And so other than that, in a nutshell, our budget remains intact. Again, a few other dollars that have shifted around. And, and so we're really, really pleased about that. Uh, we were, and I think some, some of you all, we've had some conversations with the Florida Council about the business enterprise program and the challenges that the business enterprise program faced as a result of COVID. And uh, um, Bill Finley, who heads up our bureau, a business enterprise uh, said we had lost vendors had lost over three million dollars uh, as a result of, um, of COVID losses and, and lack of sales. 
We did get um, about $1.3 million or so from the feds to give to them to offset. And we just submitted our methodology to the feds about a week ago um, and to how to distribute those dollars. The division is not gonna take anything off the top of those dollars. We wanna make sure those dollars go directly to the vendors. And so we are really, really pleased about that. Hey there. <laughs> yes, we don't we 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 wanted to make sure those dollars transfer directly to the vendors. And so that's what we're going to do. All right, so um I have some data, but I, I know data can be boring and it can affect the, the height of my presentation. And so I want to leave some of that data alone. Uh, but I do want to share because I know the council was interested in uh information and updates relating to residential services. Um, the, you know, we have two residential facilities for the blind here in Florida. Uh, the first one is the Division of Blind Services Residential Rehab Facility, which has been closed um, since, uh, I don't know, it's been, when I say closed, it's, we haven't had a student on campus in, I don't know how long it's been, 9, 10, 11 months maybe, maybe 12 months. Uh, and we are either, either they got somebody in the bed earlier this week or they're gonna get somebody in a bed early next week. <laughs> but we are back open in terms of having folks back into the residential facility uh, in Daytona Beach. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, we have been providing remote virtual services for our clients. And, um, and, and so, and we will continue that to some extent. However, uh, Cassandra, you might be able to tell me, did we get anybody in this week? May 9th, okay, next, okay, all right, going into next week, thank you. Um, I know one, one of the holdups was one, one to make sure that we were able to update our food order to make sure we had some food for the <laughs> students when they get back. So uh, we'll have folks back in the beds at that point. We, we've been doing res uh, virtual services, we'll continue to provide virtual services. And listen, we've got a lot of plans for the, for the rehab center. One of the things we wanna do is we want to reimagine the rehab center, not just as a rehab center. One of the challenges that we had with our leadership when we started talking about the residential facility, because they've had experience working with prisons and, and residential structures for prisons or residential structures for people who might be convalescent. And so when they hear the word rehab center, it, it, it sounds like something different than what we're actually doing. And so uh, we've been working on a campaign with them and our, our goal is to reimagine the rehab center. And, and one of the, one of the sample names we've been looking at is looking at the uh, um, the uh, Career and Technical Center or the Career and Technical College for the Blind and Visually Impaired. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. Uh, we are looking and continuing to work on developing a uh, CompTIA, which is a computer training course through the residential facility through the rehab center. And we are looking at other programs like a call center program and a uh, HVAC program as well. Those are some of the things that we're looking at. Uh, as we reimagine the rehab center. I'm moving on, Sheila. The next thing that you all asked me about was the Conklin Center. All right, so the Conklin Center, you all know that um, as a result of some contract challenges in February of last year, we, uh, we, we withdrew funding from the center. And uh, we have been working with uh, Ronnie Silverman and Nancy Epps uh, with the Center for the Visually Impaired, and they have now merged with the Conklin Center, it's now called the Conklin Davis Center. And so we've been working with them. Obviously we've provided some funding to them through uh, purchase orders and through expanded contracts on the vocational rehab side. But it is our goal to be able to have a new contract with the Conklin Davis Center for residential services, for supported employment, 
uh, for July 1 of this year. That's our goal. Our goal is to have uh, be able to get a contract in place by July 1, where they able to provide services to individuals uh, who have blindness and other uh, severe disabilities on that supported employment line. And so it's our goal to get that back in place. We've been having meet weekly meetings with them uh, to discuss that. Our team right now is working on drafting a contract and then another week or two, we're gonna uh, present that draft contract and then have some follow-up dialogue with the goal of a July 1 effective date. All right, let me see. Um, I will say um, the Vispero agreement is one of the things that we talked to this uh, council about a number of times. Vispero is where we get JAWS and Zoom text and open book. Um, I don't know if enough folks know it or maybe not enough folks are taking advantage of it, but Florida is the first state in the United States to make JAWS and Zoom text and open book available to any client of the division. And that's big, that's really big because oftentimes we have not been able to afford individual contracts or individual licenses uh, now, listen, we are getting a bigger bang for our dollar through this contract right now. But honestly, I'd like to see us uh, maybe triple or quadruple the number of people who are uh, getting access to those licenses right now. That's what I'd like to see. The majority of folks who are getting uh, the software continue to be our employment clients. And that's wonderful. We want to see that with employment clients. But I want to let the older blind client know you've got access to, to, to jobs. You've got access to Zoom text. You've got access to open book if you need it through the division. And so we want you to reach out to us and do that. I know that uh, Jim, I didn't, where is Jim? I didn't see Jim. Oh, no, no, uh, no. Hey, Jim, I, I recognized you earlier. Jim Woolleyhan, is he here as well? Yes. Okay, he's he's on, he's on. Hey, Jim is here virtually. Oh man, you got a good radio voice. Hello, Jim, it's good to have you here this afternoon. <laughs> All right, so listen, I'm gonna get out of the way because I know Jim is gonna give some updates in just a few minutes, but we've got some goals that we're approaching on there. I do want to mention, I've been talking about this for a little while as well. We are making progress. I've talked about also, we want to make Florida the first state in the nation relating to blind individuals being able to uh, have access to apprenticeship and career pathway opportunities. And so we are actively, and that's, and that's a big one too. And I want to, I'm really excited about that because we checked our records. We had no, no people who were in, in, a, in a, an apprenticeship program. We reached out to other state agencies of the blind and nobody was doing anything comprehensively relating to people who are blind in the apprenticeship program. And one of the great things about an apprenticeship program, it is you are earning while you're learning. You're in there making money right now. And there are enough businesses in the state of Florida who are doing apprenticeships where we're able to help support and equip them to provide apprenticeship opportunities for our consumers. And so we started off with a conversation in Miami. We've been having conversations with the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind. We've been talking to a guy named Mike Finney, who's with the Beacon Council. Uh, we've been having conversations with the, um, with the uh, chancellor of the state college system here in Florida. And we'll be having a conversation with the uh, president of Miami-Dade College as well. And our goal is, and we are on a pathway to being able to create some opportunities for apprenticeships for our consumers. And so we're gonna start in Miami, and then we may roll over to Daytona and Orlando. And Jacksonville, this is, we, we want to make sure this gets around the state. And so this is something that we're really excited about. And uh, you guys, uh, you, you, when, when you think about uh, apprenticeships and career pathways, that's the other part of it as well, the career pathways, I want you to know the Division of Blind Services is working to make a model uh, here in the state of Florida to show the rest of the states what to do. So I'm going to get out the way. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Sheila so she can turn it over to Jim. 
And thank you. Did, did anybody have questions? Oh, so we're going to take we'll them. Yeah, we're not we're not forgetting the question. <laughs> and next, we're going to hear from Jim Mullihan, who is the bureau chief of the <laughs> Yeah, he is <laughs> Daytona Talking Book Library in Daytona. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well. Good afternoon. It's wonderful to join everyone. Thank you. And, you know, and as it's been discussed, uh, the past year has been a challenge for a lot of our patrons and clients and other folks we know. And we've learned in the past year that our services are really essential to the lives of so many. So we are even more so committed to provide the services that are needed and wanted by our patrons. And we work closely with nine county libraries throughout the state of Florida, uh, known as our sub-regional libraries that provide uh, services to patrons living in their county. And they too have worked very dedicated to serving individuals there. And I just wanna just thank them for their commitment and, and hard work. And just, I wanna go through and give them a little shout out that uh, uh, Jacksonville Public Library in Duval County, uh, Talking Books Library in Miami Gardens. These are Miami-Dade and Monroe counties. The Orange County Library System located in Orlando. There's patrons living in that county. Uh, West Palm Beach, Florida is, has a talking books division there in uh, Palm Beach County. And Fort Lauderdale has a Broward County talking books. Um, also in Lee County, they have a talking book section. And in Cocoa, Brevard County, uh, talking books library. Uh, West Florida in Pensacola has been very good in helping serve patrons in the Scambia County. And also in Clearwater, Florida, the Pinellas Public Library Cooperative serves patrons in Pinellas and Sarasota counties. Um, all staff in those sub-regionals uh, are working in conjunction with us to provide all services needed as quick as possible to our patrons. Sometimes they would have challenges with their staff and libraries closing temporarily throughout the year and we would work back and forth with them uh, and providing you know the card run for the patron books and if someone has equipment issues we're back and forth and filling in the gaps with each other to keep those important services ongoing and we're just very honored and pleased to do that because we know how much it means to the lives of many um one thing that we were able to accomplish earlier this year uh, was updating our recording studio software. And currently our volunteers and staff in the recording studio have reached a total of 120 books that have been uh, recorded and approved by NLS to be placed on BARD. And, um, that is, is an honorable thing for us to do because as the regional library in Florida, we focus our recordings on Florida authors, Florida subject matter, and Florida book award winners. So that makes those Florida specialty books available to patrons in Florida and nationwide because it's on BARD. Um, 
think that a lot of we appreciate everyone's work. And uh, previously in the recording studio, the software we used was uh, an older software, although it worked well, um, but it wasn't in line exactly with what NLS had, National Library Services. Uh, we used Soundboard and they used Hindenburg and, um, you know, questions came up, well, you know, what can we do to, you know, bring ourselves up to the level of the same recording and editing software that NLS has, um, it would make the process much easier for our volunteers and staff. Um, and we had some volunteers that stepped in and said, let's talk, we know how we can probably help with this. So long story short, with the assistance of three donations, the Clay County Council for the Blind, uh, the Florida Regional Group, BVA, and the South Florida Maritime Lions Foundation in Miami made contributions for us to go ahead and purchase the Hindenburg software so that we would have the level of quality for everything uh, needed quicker than using our previous software. So again, I so appreciative to those three organizations that made that donation that I'd like to give them all a round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, right now, our staff and volunteers are still in the learning process and using that software, but it will help us to move ahead quicker uh, with more quality assured products to have on Bard. So that is just a big task for us, and we're very pleased to have that. Um, also, because our services are so important to the lives of so many, um, in speaking with the state office, um, there has been the development of the library task force. And our volunteer coordinator, Kathy Acevedo, is heading that up. She has done tremendous outreach to DBS staff and staff with VR and other organizations, private and nonprofit, to help everyone to be aware of the library services that are available. And um, also the newsline services are available for our patrons. And many individuals don't really know. So the goal of the task force is to find new ways to do outreach. Um, and now in the days and times we are in, a lot of it's virtual. And uh, our task force has been working together for approximately three, almost four months now and the task force members are learning a lot and they will take that out to the people and the organizations that they serve and we believe that will also make a big impact on the lives of many. Um, also this year uh, the National Library Services uh, has opened up the um, types of people working who can be certifying authorities, as it is called, to sign on the eligibility for patrons on the application. Um, we are reaching out, NLS is reaching out uh, to those individuals with reading disabilities and autism. So at this point, uh, it does not have to be a medical doctor to 
certify the eligibility for those with reading disabilities or varying degrees of autism. Um, they've opened that up to other individuals who were also previously eligible to sign applications. And those individuals would be counselors, librarians, uh, college staff who work with student disabilities, um, healthcare professionals, caseworkers, social workers, rehab teachers um, are, are now all eligible to complete and assist individuals with the application and get that into us so we can serve them. Um, like I said before, you know, reading disabilities and autism uh, had to have special certifications, but now that the National Library Services opened that up, that has helped us a lot in helping to reach out to uh, task force members so they can reach folks who will benefit from our services. And um, we get cards, letters from individuals so often that said, we don't know what we would have done without the assistance of everyone and the services that we see, we receive. You know, it's just not a fun thing, but it is a much needed, necessary part of their lives. And, and we're honored to do that. Um, and I would also like to reach out and thank the friends of the library. Um, that board team and the members are such dedicated individuals. No matter what we bring up or what questions we ask, they're willing and try to find a way to serve the patrons that we assist. And uh, again, we, we're just very grateful and, and very pleased to have those individuals on our side. Um, thank you, indeed. And uh, at, at this point, you know, that's, a, that's an overview of where we have ventured out in the past year and things so that we're working on. Um, are there any other questions or thoughts that anybody has? Hang on. <laughs> okay, what we're gonna do at this point is let me ask a question. <laughs> okay. First thing I want to do is thank the Friends of Library Access for sponsoring our convention this year. So thank you, Friends of Library, for approving that um, sponsorship. And Jim, I know that there's probably people sitting here in this room that are going to ask this question, so I'm going to ask you first. Sure. Where's the e-reader standing with the library and what is it looking like for Florida people to get the service? Yes, um, approximately uh, there are four or five states in um, all of the regional libraries that are working with NLS on testing and helping them to gather information on hands-on use of the Braille e-reader. Um, so those four or five states are working with NLS to provide different types of studies and information gathering. And then when that's completed sometime this year, um, they're gonna focus on two types of Braille e-readers to make available to patrons. And NLS will be doing that and assisting each regional library in all 50 states to make those uh, e-readers eligible for those individuals who are 
patrons who want material in braille. An e-reader, for many of who know, is uh, a machine that's able to download um, braille so it can be read on the e-reader. Um, right now, they're still gathering information. And latest information that I received from NLS is uh, distribution for e-readers to patrons in all 50 states is still about two years out. So it's, it's in the process. Um, it's not as moving as fast as they had hoped uh, a year and a half ago when, when uh, this was rolled out, um, but it is moving ahead and um, they're looking at a two year, roughly a two year goal at this time. Okay, and then Mr. Doyle, I want to let you know that I spoke with Wanda Stokely earlier, and you will have a table for DBS every year. <laughs> so now I'm going to open it up. I'm going to leave Robert alone this year. I bothered him last year. Um, I, hang on. If you have a question for either gentleman, whether it's Mr. Doyle or whether it's Jim Woolihan, Please raise your hand. We do have, Carl McCoy has the first question. Um, we do have a mic runner. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, to to um, Mr. Doyle. First of all, uh, I commend you for the progress you're making with rehab and the announcement that you made today. I'm sure it's good news to lots of people. But... Uh, I've reached the point that I'm a lot more concerned about older people now than I am about jobs. And, um, you know, just recently with the virus, the uh, uh, vaccinations for uh, in the virus, we have learned that you don't reach older people with computers. They like to use the, a telephone. And so that is a perfect time, it seems to me, to recognize that uh, older people do need more help in learning to use these uh, electronic devices, whether it's a telephone or computer or whatever. But <clears throat> so, and I'm concerned that we don't do so, and I'm concerned that we don't do a good job of that kind of thing. We sent you a resolution, I think two years ago, uh, asking that we step up the effort to provide, uh, help older people reach uh, the services that they need that requires the uh, electronic devices. And we haven't heard anything back. So I'm wondering, I'm asking, what are what are you doing with that? Are you considering anything? So, so I'll say that, that, that there are three levels of, of response on that. And first, first of all, I would say the expansion with the JAWS and Zoom Techs, uh, making it available for the older blind population, where we previously didn't have funds available uh, uh, for those other programs. That's one of the ways that we've been working that. We've always made uh, resources available where we can, although there is not a... Um, Although there is not a, um, a, a a new source of dollars other than what we're getting through those Social Security reimbursements, we've been making computers and things available through all the programs, maybe through Computers for the Blind and those kind of areas as well. 
And then we saw where we had last year, where we had the extra $300,000 that was in the budget for the older blind population. The division, um, we spend a great deal more, and honestly, the older blind population is, is more than we have on our employment numbers, quite honestly. But we spend more dollars for that program than what we get from the feds and even what the state requires because we wanna make sure that we're continuing to provide services uh, to the older blind population. The, 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 the last year, we also provided additional dollars in the contract to the CRPs for not just meeting the needs of the older blind population, but we put bonus dollars in those contracts as well, and those contracts as well as other contracts to, in order to incentivize providing additional services. And so those are a couple of ways that we've uh, uh, tried to expand and make services, more services available. Uh, certainly more can be done, more concentrated efforts can be done as well, but those are some of the things that we've done thus far. Uh, in terms of providing those kind of support services for older blind people. So the, the, the lighthouses continue to provide those services directly. We provide oh, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't compute where I live, and it certainly wouldn't compute with somebody who lived in Live Oak or Kent, uh, uh, Lake City or some of those rural places. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that, that the other challenge we found again with COVID is, is that uh, we did expand virtual access to services. And so um, that's one of the ways that we've been trying to reach folks in rural areas. But as you noted, not everyone has a direct training or skills in order to be able to access those things. But we did provide an expanded access to those virtual services. I know that lighthouses have been going out and where, let's say, for example, an individual may not want them in the home. Uh, they've been going out and they've been dropping off equipment and trying to provide uh, driveway services, so to speak, uh, to those individuals. Uh, but I think the expansion of what we talked about, JAWS and Zoom Tax, expansion of being able to use those dollars or use dollars for equipment for the older blind population, um, as well as the ability to do some of those things virtually, creates more opportunity. Again, if there is, and I think this is one of the things we talked about when the resolution was written before, sitting down and having more dialogue, direct conversation, direct dialogue about exactly what it is that you envision that looking like and see if we can try to make that a reality. Well, yeah. Well, we're ready to participate anytime you uh, uh, want to include us in any of those kind of plans. But uh, I can, I'm, 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 I am disappointed at least in the facility that is in our area I called that place two years ago, uh, twice, about two months apart, left a message, and I never got a call back. So now people say, well, have you called lately? Hell no, I'm not going to call again, and you know, when I've left two messages and no, not even an answer back. And so those things are not working, and yet we have uh, percentage-wise, the most older uh, people in the nation, when 20% of our people are over 65. So, so what we want to do is, is, is we want to do two things. I want to do two things. Number one is I want to get on a phone call with you this week, um, th well, next week, uh, uh, by Wednesday if we can, to talk about more of your ideas directly about 
serving the older blind population and, and how we might be able to revise what we're doing. And then two, relating to the contractor that you didn't hear back from, we want to look into what happened on that as well and follow up with that. And so I'm going to ask, we'll ask uh, the lander office to help participate in that conversation. Uh, but we will, we will, we'll get on the phone with you by Wednesday of this week to, to have some dialogue. You're in Tallahassee? Oh, well, you don't, you don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Older people may not be raised in cane like some of your other people, yeah. but they need the services. All right. We'll, 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 we'll have a conversation with you uh, next week. Well, it's too bad he gave me the microphone. <laughs> let, let me pick up where Carl left off. Um, I'm really upset and disappointed that we lost $300,000 this year for older Americans, blind older Americans in Florida. And it behooves me to know how this happened, why this happened, and why this organization wasn't called upon to go to the state legislature and raise hell at the budget time, because that money is needed, necessary, and must happen. Let me echo two other points and then I will be quiet. I am also disappointed that the Division of Blind Services did not allow or facilitate Florida becoming a part of the Braille um, book reader pilot project states. This organization contacted DBS through its library and tried to facilitate Florida becoming involved as a pilot state so that we didn't have to wait another two years to have access to the e-reader, that's three years altogether. We were not able to successfully convince the library program to go forward with that. Hence, library patrons are now waiting another two years. The third troubling thing that you said, Robert, is that you just last week had paperwork submitted for our vending vendors uh, for stimulus money. ACB, for example, has already received first and second round of funding and has now just applied for third round of funding. It troubles me that our vendors who are desperately in need of money have waited in that till now to be applying for these funds which could have happened nine or 10 months ago. It all concerns me. I'm not trying to be critical. I think the division is doing an outstanding job and under your leadership, we have taken giant steps forward. But these are three troubling areas. Thank so you. I'm gonna attempt to, hey! Oh, he'll, so all right, so yeah, because he can definitely answer. You you want to answer the third one first, yeah, or like because he can explain what that process looked like. I will say before before um, before Jim does that, I will say that the division did for the business enterprise operators early in the process make funds available that were non-state dollars to those vendors to offset 
uh, some of those losses as well. And so that's something we did well before the feds made dollars available. Uh, Jim is going to be able to share why the other dollars are just going out or the process is just getting out. First of all, I would like to thank Robert because I know Robert did a very did a lot more than people realized on making sure that the plan we finally submitted was was acceptable to us, to the agency. But the dollars you guys are talking about were not easy to get. We were part of the general appropriations bill, not any COVID package. We had to, we had to set aside our own rules with along with the with the SLA, which is Robert and, and his group. So we we had a subcommittee on the vendors program that worked on this, and we worked very hard. It was not an easy process. At this point, four states have been approved. None of them have gotten our money. So I don't think we I don't think we've sat on this at all. And I think most of our blind vendors are aware that we've been working very hard on it. And there's been a lot. Of, I don't think, there's been a lot of dialogue, and conversation between the division and the committee of blind vendors about how to do that because we didn't want to just say this is what we're going to do. As a matter of fact, we couldn't just say this is how we're going to do it. And so uh, uh, our team and and the committee have been working, and you guys meet we're meeting pretty frequently, working out a process that was fair to all the vendors. And so that's why that process. But again, we had to get the money through a special appropriation uh, through the legislative process. I want to go back and provide some clarification, not, not justification, but clarification on, on two, two other points. The first one is relating to the 300,000. Uh, this was the first year we got that extra 300,000. Well, last year was the first year we got that extra 300,000 and we were excited about it. Uh, and we made those dollars available to, uh, to, the, to the program. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're really excited about that. I will say this though, while we did not like to lose the $300,000, we did not take the $300,000 out of the contracts for the providers for next year. And so what our philosophy, our thought is, is we're going to continue to make those dollars available. We're just going to make it work. And what do I mean by that? We're receiving dollars through the Social Security reimbursement process. We're going to make sure that those dollars are able so that we don't have any decrease in available services through the division. Although there was not a, that, that $300,000 was not directly appropriated we're going to make them available through our program. So I want to let you know that. And then relating to the, uh, the e-reader program, uh, I did get the inquiry and got the question relating to that. I did talk with the uh, team over at the library. Jim, I'm going to jump in here at, at, at a particular moment. Uh, it really came down to a resource issue. It's a resource challenge. We're challenged with resources in terms of staff uh, because of COVID, because of the things looking relating to the budget. We were at a hiring freeze in the state. We were not able to hire individuals, critical positions. The library is the only entity that we have at DBS. Now we have programs, other programs like babies and children that are general revenue funded, but the library is the only program, uh, entity within itself that's 100% GR funded, 100% state funded. And so while we may be able to get federal dollars and be able to match those federal dollars from the state side, uh, we really were at a crunch in knowing what was gonna be available to the state entities. And as a whole, we were on a hiring freeze where we got permission to fill certain positions. And so Jim and his team were really challenged resource-wise into implementing a, another pilot program when they were short staffed and didn't have the, the ability to hire folks. In addition to that, even if we were gonna to try, to try to go to volunteers in order to implement the program, we weren't having volunteers in the office because of COVID and because of transmission and those kind of things as well. And so again, Jim and I, we had a conversation. It was something that we would have liked to have done we just didn't have the staffing resources in order to make it happen. And Jim, I'm not sure if there's anything you want to add to that. Yeah, um, that's correct, correct, Robert. 
And when we were in conversation with NLS, we were interested initially, but as you mentioned, you know, those challenges came up. But then NLS gave us the update that even though, you know, our staff did not participate, um, it would not delay their overall goals of delivery of this equipment or even deliver uh, any to have any delay of our patrons in Florida. It was just a matter of us joining the four or five other states throughout the United States to input data regarding the use. But their overall goals and release of the equipment to the patrons is based on their time frame and their guidelines and their budget. Uh, so we are still, you know, looking forward to them, you know, making that available to patrons, but our patrons in Florida will not have any type of delay um, based on our not participating in that survey. Um, but uh, again, it's all based on NLS's timelines and budgets to release the e-reader. And we will, you know, continue to be in contact with them and assist any way possible. Okay. Are there any questions from any of our Zoom listeners, Mika? Yes. Can you hear me, Sheila? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so okay. much for being our host. Of course. Okay. We have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Nancy B. And you are allowed to talk, Nancy, if you could unmute. Hello. Um, this is Nancy Burgess Hall. And I want to thank um, Robert and Jim for all their support um, for the citizens of um, Florida. I have a question for Robert. Um, and I read in the paper last week that um, the state is raising the minimum wage for state workers to $15 an hour. Uh, number one, will that affect the DBS employees? So, so, yeah, so the, there was a constitutional amendment that, went, that was passed that will accelerate the minimum wage. I believe it's by 2026. Uh, I haven't seen all the details of the final budget, but I read that the state was looking at adding and increasing some of those wages. I believe it was up to $13 an hour. Don't, don't fully quote me on that. Effective uh, July of this year. I think that's what I read, but not. I didn't see it directly in the budget, so I want to be able to verify that. If okay. in, in, indeed, if that is the case, then those dollars will be available to also increase the wages for our for our staff that we're making below that amount. Okay, then the, the follow-up question is, um, will there be any kind of um, effect on the employees that have degrees? Are they getting any kind of increase this year? Yeah, so that 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 becomes the other challenge with it. And so you, you, one of the things that happens is, is when the minimum wage raises, because the minimum wage is the baseline for everything else, typically that's going to cause all other salaries above it to go up. I don't know that I've seen any mechanisms to see or make that happen at this particular point. And I think that that's something that the legislature is going to have to work on. How do you adjust that for all those other positions? And again, I have not seen a um, I have not seen anything that triggers that process. I know for us in the division side, you know, what we look at and evaluate different positions and position classes. If we see that we have available rate and available funding 
then we will reach out to the leadership and administration about trying to reclassify as we did a few years ago. That's something that we'll be looking at into the next year, but it's all gonna really be dependent on um, a legislative authority, legislative approval and available funds. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else make up? Um, let's see. Not at this time. Okay, thank you. Anybody else in the room? And I have one, of course, but I'm going to let the people here ask first. I just have one comment to make. People have to realize that it, you're dealing with the federal government when it comes to stimuluses like this. And the reason why the vendors have waited so long is we're waiting on the federal government. And we've waited on the federal government. They should have done something about this a long time ago. So I put the blame on Washington. Don't put the blame on Robert Doyle's doing the best he can do. Jim Worth is doing the best he can do. There's a lot of us vendors are, that are hurting, but you realize how slow Congress has been in doing things. And that's all I have to say. I blame the federal government. Thank you, Georgia. <clears throat> Anybody else in the room? Going on? Okay. So, Director Doyle, we're, I'm going to raise a perennial question because I know you know about it, but I want to be sure um, that our members know about it. And I also uh, want perhaps your suggestion of anything else we might do. I think that uh, I term off uh, the Rehabilitation Council in August of this year. Uh, if I term off the Rehabilitation Council, there will be two members left, both of whom are cited. There will not be a single blind person on the Rehab Council for the Blind. No matter what we've done, and at the instruction of this organization, we've written letters to the governor, we've written letters to the legislature, we've written letters to, uh, we've written letters to RSA asking them to intervene. Um, and nothing that we have done so far has appeared to make any difference. Um, so I guess there are two questions that I'd like to ask. Um, first, uh, can you think of anything else that we can do? And second, and perhaps even more important, uh, to, to, to what degree uh, is it possible for the Division of Blind Services to say, that without a functioning rehabilitation council, uh, you're aware that that you're violating both federal and state laws. And, and is there anything that you, as the Division of Blind Services, can do? So, so uh, really great questions. And, and, and Paul, before I answer that question, I'd like to I want to go back and, again, publicly acknowledge from the conversation we had before. Uh, Carl, again, I apologize that we did not um, have that conversation before. I want to make sure that happens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that. So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna say that. And Jim, again, back to the three hundred thousand dollars. The bottom line is, is we're gonna cover it, and there's no loss of funds. I want that to be clear. I understand. I do. I do. 
Yeah, I do. I do. I do understand. We communicated that concern. In essence, what happens is those dollars ended up getting shifted from the older blind to to the children, and and the, the year before they got switched from children to older blind, and it's just a com competition for available resources. But I do understand, uh, and 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 I know what we need to do di differently <laughs> when that happens again. Uh, so, Paul, relating to the uh, the council, so yes. The federal statute says that we're supposed to have a rehabilitation council for the blind. Uh, 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 more than 50% of the members have to be visually impaired. And for a number of years, we have not had any uh, 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 gains in terms of members. We've lost members because of terms haven't expired. And that's for the benefit of folks here in the room. Uh, we have been fortunate that we've had individuals that continue to be engaged and continue to volunteer, to participate in subcommittees and things of that nature. Uh, Patricia Leposky being one of those individuals and others. And we appreciate that work, but we need to have people on the council. I am anticipating, I am expecting, I am waiting for a press release to drop any day now. Uh, we had some movement um, about a week or so ago from the governor's office uh, asking us to reach back out to say, all these individuals still interested, uh, making sure that we have applications that are up to date, and so we reached out to all those individuals and we provided confirmation uh, and we helped make sure updated applications were in the governor's office. And so we explained to them that we're at risk potentially of losing funds if we don't uh, get those, get those uh, positions filled. And so I am really hopeful that, that, that we're gonna see a press release any day. So what can this council do? I would say, you know, um, write another letter and maybe somebody says, oh yeah, that's just sitting in my, draft box right now. Let me just send the push the send button when it comes in. This is a low hanging assignment that we can just get done right away. I would say, you know, uh, there's a individual in the governor's appointments office and we can get you the name of that individual. And perhaps you can maybe make a phone call and set up an appointment to meet with that individual. Uh, I can let you know that we, from our leadership, we've been communicating and we've been, uh, and, and we, we've been, just all the things that you all have been doing, we've been doing it as well. And I am very, very hopeful because we got the follow-up. And then when I talked to my, my, my leadership uh, earlier this week, they're saying, hey, we should be seeing or hearing something any day. Paul, you stole my question. <laughs> are there any other questions? Mika, are there any on Zoom? Um, no, there is not anyone on Zoom with their hand raised. Okay. Well, I want to take this opportunity to thank Robert Doyle for coming from Tallahassee to join us this weekend. <laughs> and I want to take Jim, thank Jim, Jim Mullian for taking the time out of his Saturday afternoon for to join us. But thank you, Jim. My pleasure. My pleasure. And um, we will keep in touch with the governor about the rehab council because I've been pushing Mr. Doyle about that recently. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. And the next meeting is at three, I believe, and it's CCTV and then FCCLV and then seven o'clock tonight. If you were a recipient of a plaque last night, and you did not receive it at the banquet, please stay still because they're here in the room and we will be happy to give them to you. Thank you everybody.